Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Hi, this is Stephen Nill, CEO of CharityChannel.com. So, you want your charity to succeed. You came to the right place. Integration of online and offline techniques is the key to your successful fundraising, and practical advice on going green is what you need. With this show, The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart, you will learn from experts around the world who provide advice you can use. Our host is Ted Hart, one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. This year, he is celebrating 25 years in the nonprofit sector and the 10-year anniversary of his firm, TedHart.com. His books range from successful online fundraising to the use of social media and how to make your nonprofit green. His guests are leaders in their field who will share tips and trade secrets for nonprofit management, green strategy, and fundraising success. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, here's Ted. Hey, and good afternoon. Uh, I'm coming to you live. This is Ted Hart. Uh, Thank you so much, Steve, for that wonderful introduction. It is December 14th. I am coming to you live from a bit of uh, overcast and blustery day here in the nation's capital. And uh, as always, we start the show with Page One News. Now, always here on the Nonprofit Coach, uh, you can find the radio links over at tedhartradio.com. We've got a great show for you today, and don't miss the opportunity to dial in and ask a question personally of our page two expert who I will introduce in just a little while. You'll be able to dial in at 347-324-3080. Again, that number is 347-324-3080. Just press the number one to raise your hand to let me know that you're in the switchboard and would like to ask a question. You also can jump over in the chat room and I see folks starting to arrive over over in, uh, in the chat room, and if you're super shy and would like to ask a question, you can always email me at tedhart at tedhart.com. Anyway, first up here on the uh, nonprofit coach for news today is the release of this year's uh, 2011 uh, email marketing benchmark report. And this comes out, of course, uh, from the fine folks over at Marketing Sherpa. And one of the things I think is very important that you'll find in the executive summary that we have over in the radio links today at tedhartradio.com is the impact of email marketing maturity. And this is so important. We talk a lot about this on the show and certainly uh, in my lectures and and, uh, in our newsletter, we talk about the importance of building the asset, starting to get people used to receiving your email uh, and learning from your audience what they're looking for from you. And it does take time to mature that program. This study, and I'm quoting from uh, the executive summary right now, this study has revealed a clear correlation between the phase of an organization's email marketing maturity and the effectiveness of its email programs. I think so many organizations want email to be immediately successful, immediately be raising a lot of money. Immediately people are clicking through to your email, and if you don't, you wonder if, well, maybe it's just not for us, or you stop before you even start. It takes time to build these kinds of assets, just as we've talked about in social media as well. There's no shortcuts to success. It takes serious strategy to success 
uh, and it's important that you read uh, this year's new uh, report coming over from Marketing Sherpa. Uh, next up here on uh, the Nonprofit Coach is just, this is just fun. You've got to go take a look at this. Uh, over on Mashable, we've got uh, the uh, world's Facebook relationships visualized. Um, over at, uh, at Facebook, uh, they had uh, uh, an intern, Paul Butler, who was interested in wondering where are all of his friends, just started kind of uh, plotting out where of his friends, and they thought, gee, that would be interesting if we looked at all of the various relationships uh, around the world. Uh, and he started by using a sample of 10 million friend pairs. And now what you can see is the world the way that it looks from the Facebook social graph. And you can see all over the world where very, very clearly – Facebook is huge in Europe, uh, in the United States, of course. You can see uh, the growth in India and uh, in the Far East. Uh, so uh, it's important that uh, uh, we know how Facebook works. This is just a, an amazing visual uh, representation of the kind of relationships that are now represented of 550-plus million members of Facebook. Find that over at the radio links at Ted Hart's radio.com. Uh, the next uh, thing that I've got up here for you, I'm going to set this up just a little bit because I am so excited. We have a big, big, big announcement today. And I've got a good friend of mine uh, who's going to come on to the show here on page one and help me share this news. Uh, Susan McDermott, you're here on the Nonprofit Coach. You with us here? Yes, I am, Ted. Thank you for having me. Susan, hey, it's great to have you today. Uh, we're going to announce uh, with you uh, a, uh, a big, new, bold initiative that's going to take us straight through uh, 2011. Uh, I'm going to let you tell us about it, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about it, too. You can tell I'm very, very excited. What do we got going on with the AFP Wiley Fund Development Book Series? Okay, thank you. Uh, thank you for the intro. Uh, basically, just let me give a quick bit of information about me. I'm the senior editor here at John Wiley and Sons, uh, in charge of the nonprofit um, book publishing program. And uh, for the past 15 years or so, we've had a book series with AFP uh, called the, entitled the AFP Fund Development Series. And um, basically, it was developed to provide fund development professionals, volunteers, board members, and others interested in the nonprofit sector with top quality publications that help advance philanthropy as volunteer action for the public good. Um, the books that we do are practical. Um, they provide timely guidance and information on fundraising, charitable giving, and related subjects. Um, we typically publish between three and five new books a year, and um, and this is just a really great series, and really the partnership between Wiley and AFP enables us to to really make sure that we have the right kind of books for the uh, that the audience needs. Um, we have, uh, AFP has a, um, a publications committee that vets every proposal and book as it comes into the um, to, to AFP to be approved uh, for publication to the series, so um, it's just something that everybody is really uh, positive about. And um, thanks to Ted, who is also a series author, um, um, with uh, his book, um, <clears throat> um, we have a. Uh, we're going to start in. I guess we're starting next week. We're starting a, a um, monthly radio interview series, um, talking with a new AFP series author every month. And uh, we're starting next week with uh, Kay Sprinkle Grace, whose book is, um, whose book is entitled uh, um, Beyond Fundraising. Beyond, and yeah, and so yeah, she's Beyond be, Fundraising will be uh, uh, the book that will be highlighted. I got to tell you, Susan, I am so excited about this. You have done uh, just an outstanding job in building uh, this library of professionals uh, in the AFP Wiley uh, author series. And so uh, just for our listeners, just for you to know, uh, the third Tuesday of every month uh, is now going to be AFP Wiley Radio. Uh, and we are going to uh, be featuring, as Susan just said, uh, one of the authors that have been chosen to be part of uh, AFP, which stands for the Association of Fundraising Professionals, uh, and the, the Wiley uh, series. And uh, as Susan just said, I, I can't, Susan, I can't think of a better way to launch this series than with Kay Sprinkle Grace. Can you? Oh no, absolutely. She's just uh, you know internationally um, renowned. Um, she's got these um, these wonderful principles and strategies for uh, for developing relationships with donors and with and she's just got such a wealth of information. She's just a spectacular person. 
Oh and her book, Beyond Fundraising, of course, is, is really now a standard uh, in the industry. And so uh, Kay Sprinkle Grace will uh, launch this series uh, next week. So uh, join us next week uh, here on The Nonprofit Coach. And then as Susan said, every single month we're going to have another author, uh, and we're gonna, going to be specifically focused on the, uh, one of the books of the AFP Wiley series. And, and Susan, when I look at this list, which uh, you know, we'll share with uh, our audience as the, as the year unfolds, but you know, I see people like Jocelyn Daw and Jim Greenfield. I mean, there's a sage in our industry. I mean, you, you've got to know Jim Greenfield's uh, thinking on fundraising if you're going to uh, succeed. We've got uh, Carla Williams and uh, Simone Joyeau and Tom Ahern, uh, Randy Moss and David Neff. I mean, we've just got such a wide array of professionals. This is amazing. Yeah, and what I think is really great uh, about this is it's a nice balance between, as, as you say, the, um, the the respected names in the field, the, the Kay Graces and the Jim Greenfields, and then the sort of the new thinkers, uh, Randy Moss and, and David Neff. Their book is, is um, hasn't even been published yet, and so they'll be speaking, you know, closer to publication time. And uh, it's just really, you know, talking about innovative. Uh, you know, innovations in nonprofits, and it's just um, it's spectacular. So it's a real nice balance of of um, you know the the sort of old uh, the old guard and then the people who are leading the charge now. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I am uh, thrilled uh, to join you and Wiley uh, today uh, in announcing the uh, AFP Wiley radio show, uh, which again will be uh, hosted here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, each and every month uh, starting next week with Kay Sprinkle Grace. Uh, so everybody stay tuned uh, for this uh, wonderful show. And I know, Susan, you'll be coming back and helping us highlight uh, uh, the books. And uh, we're also going to uh, uh, have this noted in the uh, AFP uh, newsletter so that they'll be promoting those books as well. Yeah, eWire. It goes out every every Tuesday to to approximately 30,000 members, and um, they're starting uh, the announcement today. They'll, they'll be talking about it and getting their membership engaged and excited about this uh, this radio series. Well, that's and thank great. you. Well, thank it's you, always Ted. wonderful to get professionals together to have the opportunity to learn from each other, uh, and I want to uh, please wish you a very happy holiday, and thank you uh, for launching right here in the holiday season uh, the uh, AFP Wiley radio series. Uh, Susan, you have a wonderful holiday. And uh, I, we'll catch you back here on the show when we uh, uh, promote the January show. Perfect. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Ted, and you have a great holiday as well. You bet. Take care. Take care. All right, back here on page one. Uh, again, I want to make sure that uh, we're bringing you uh, the latest news, and this is really terrific. You'll find over in the radio links at tedhartradio.com, YouTube's top 2010 most buzzed about social network list. Now, the, the list is great, but I have to start off by saying it's amazing uh, what uh, sites we've been used to seeing on such a list who are dropped from the list. You know, one day you're the hottest thing, and then the next day you're just not. And the folks who are just not in 2010 are Craigslist, Friendster, and MySpace, not even in the top ten. And those used to be uh, names that you could really, really count on uh, for being in the top ten. And some of the folks that, that are new uh, to, uh, uh, to the list, Google Buzz. You remember we've talked about Google Buzz on this show. Uh, they've had a couple fits and starts in trying to uh, really get that social network uh, working, uh, and they are starting to get some traction. So uh, here they are showing up in the, the, uh, the top ten. Um, not, not too surprising, I think, when you look at the top ten. Now, this is YouTube's list that they put together. YouTube is number one. Uh, Flickr is number two. Three is Twitter. Four is Match.com. Uh, LinkedIn is number five. Facebook is number six. A uh, site called Groupon uh, is number seven. And you can see the rest of the list uh, right over there in the radio links at Ted Hart Radio. Dot com. Uh, now, you'll also find in the radio links today, we were just talking to Susan McDermott, senior editor uh, over at John Wiley & Sons, about the AFP Wiley Fund Development Series. We've actually given you a link over in the radio links uh, today so that you can see all of the books 
that uh, that are in that series. Now, we're not in the first year here of uh, AFP Wiley Radio going to uh, be able to uh, highlight all of those authors, uh, but we do have just an amazing array. Uh, all the authors have been chosen for the entire year. We've been working uh, with the folks at uh, Wiley for uh, a few months on putting all of this together. Uh, so thank you, Susan. Thank you, the folks over at Wiley and AFP. We're going to get started with AFP uh, Wiley Radio next week with Kay Sprinkle Grace. All right, next up here on the Nonprofit Coach, we are going headstrong into page two. Now, what a timely, timely topic to bring on to uh, page two. It's my pleasure uh, to welcome here to uh, the nonprofit coach, Steve Hafner. Steve Hafner is not only uh, the founder of HEP Development Services, but is really a leader in providing data services to the nonprofit industry. Back in 1996, before a lot of folks were even thinking about uh, databases, Steve was out there crunching the numbers and crunching the data. His philosophy of providing accurate data with phenomenal customer service is really a backbone not only of HEP development, uh, but something that a lot of folks in our industry uh, look to. He is certainly an expert in data management and data mining and in the world of matching gifts for your organization. Welcome here to the Nonprofit Coach, Steve Hafner. Hey, Ted. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, it's great to uh, have you here. You know, matching gifts is always such an important way uh, for organizations to raise money, but it seems that it tends to kind of get lost in the shuffle. The money is sitting there, uh, and a lot of organizations, particularly smaller organizations, just don't know how to manage that. So why don't we start all the way back before I get into uh, some of my questions here and have you introduce HEP development, and most importantly, what are matching gifts? Ted, absolutely. Uh, matching gifts are the opportunity for donors who work for employers that will match your contribution to various .orgs or .edu's. So, for example, if I give to my alma mater, George Mason in Fairfax, a $500 pledge, uh, my employer will match that gift. So instead of being a, a $500 gift, it now becomes a $1,000 gift. And you are absolutely correct. It's often an afterthought, and we've spent the better part of the last, I'd say, 12, 14 years, just kind of educating the space on these missed opportunities. You know, I remember starting to work with you, Steve, all the way back many years ago when I was the Chief Development Officer at Johns Hopkins uh, Medical Center's Bayview Campus. Yep. And we really were just starting to introduce that concept on that campus as well, and it started generating thousands of dollars right away. As you said, $500 becomes $1,000. Why do you think it's been so difficult to get such a simple message across to the nonprofit sector? Well, within the .org, .org space, as uh, differentiated from the .edu space, uh, many times the donors, number one, can be anonymous. You know, you can give online and so on. Uh, but they oftentimes don't know where they work. So if you don't know where someone works, it's hard for you to inform them uh, if they're matching gift eligible. Uh, beyond that, corporations uh, don't always do the best job uh, that they can to promote these, uh, the whole concept of matching gifts. And just to kind of highlight that, uh, you know, I've, if you ever have done a walk for a certain cause, you, know, you have friends and family members who don't even know what matching gifts are. And so there's a lot of education still to be done, particularly with the smaller nonprofits. And, and, and so walk me through uh, sort of one of the, the, the larger programs or, 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 or you know, pick a company um, specifically because it does change from company to company, doesn't it, in terms of the process, but typically it's the employee and interacting with their personnel department. Is that right? It is. It is, Ted. Uh, and it, it has to be uh, employee donor initiated. You know, the, the recipient nonprofit cannot initiate the actual match itself. The paperwork has to be completed by the donor uh, submitted. Uh, the good news is, is, is that much of that is happening online these days. Uh, and just a stat for you, you know, out of, uh, I'd say, 
1,600, close to 1,700 parent companies, uh, about 200 plus, uh, are now uh, in an online type format. And, and of course, that you would think that makes it a lot easier for organizations, but they still don't seem to have this as just a regular part of doing business. What what I've seen in organizations is you'll get a development officer who gets it and understands it, and so it becomes something that's part of their fundraising program for a while, uh, and then it drifts away. Um, is it, is it just seen as too much work? I mean, I can't imagine looking the other way for essentially free money. Well, yeah, I mean. The folks who we're working with get it, and we work with about 6,000 nonprofits nationwide and throughout Canada. And just to, to give you an example, American Cancer Society, one of the best nonprofits in the world, uh, they were doing about $2 million four years ago, maybe five years ago, in matching gift revenue. Ted, we simply put a simple strategy in place for them, a structure and a strategy uh, with someone at ACS being responsible for matching gifts. And what we did is we put a link up on their website, on their primary donation page, and now we have it in multiple locations promoting it, and we can get into some of that momentarily if we have time. Uh, but they've now gone to uh, just over $13 million in matching gifts in about four years. Just That's in matching gifts money, $2 million to $13 million just in matching gift money by having the right strategy in place. Ted, it's recurring revenue. It's recurring revenue. We also know something about donors who are match eligible versus donors who are not. We know donors who are match eligible typically give a larger principal gift because they've got that minimum incentive. Many companies have you know minimum threshold that they'll match of, say, $50 or $100. So you've got that match incentive going. You've also got a better uh, retention rate because that incentive is there as well. Well, now tell us what match eligible means. All right, so... Let's take, let's take a typical database of uh, 100,000 records. You have an annual data, uh, donor roster of 100,000 records. Typically for a charity, roughly 1 in 10 will be match eligible. So that's 10,000. That means out of those 100,000 records, there are 10,000 donors in my database who are match eligible. So my job as a fundraiser is to find out who they are. Once you've done that, at the point of solicitation, whether it's uh, in a face-to-face, -face, whether it's an email you know, solicitation, a snail mail, whatever it may be, an event, you now know that those 10,000 folks are eligible and you're much more likely to get that gift match. And previously I'd said the, gift, the, the, the match can't be initiated by the donor well, or by the recipient organization. But what you can do is tip the donor off that, hey, here are the how-to instructions. Here's your matching gift form at IBM or Microsoft or whatever it may be. You, you, you take care of this, and that gift is going to be doubled to us. Yeah, and, and, and it, it is as simple as that. What, what are some of the costs that are associated with the kind of strategy that you put forward? Because certainly an organization could uh, attempt to do all this on their own, but there is so much data that, that you need to crunch to get to that, that one out of ten that it does make sense to have a professional partner uh, help guide you in that process. So help our listeners understand what would be an average strategy process that, that they might work with your firm on. Well, we're, it's a great question, uh, Ted. Uh, where I would start for, for most nonprofits is, is the first thing is on the Internet. On your web page, you want to make sure you have some type of link allowing you to search matching gift companies. We call it the eMatch donor link. Uh, when you're putting it on volunteer pages, we call it a match badge or a match button, if you will. Um, those are That's just a baseline strategy. Everybody gets it. That can run anywhere from you know uh, $500 a year to $2,500 a year, depending on the size. So we're not talking a lot of money. And we have clients who are literally one, two-person development shops up to the largest nonprofits in the world. Now, help 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 an organization under so starting with their website is key um, to to making that happen. What what's the click through on that? What I mean, does it still take the invitation to let people know that that's there, or is this so interesting to donors that it could become one of the most important parts of their website? 
Well, it, it's it's definitely the latter. Uh, when you have a link on your website, what you're doing is I've 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 made my pledge. Okay, so I've just given a gift online, let's say of $150. What's going to happen is a button's going to pop up and say, "Hey, check to see if your gift can be matched." It could be doubled or tripled, you know, whatever you want it to say, Ted. You, you're obviously going to take, at that point, you're going to take advantage of that opportunity because, you, if nothing else, you're curious to see if your company's matching gift eligible. And in many cases, the donor just doesn't know because, you know, it has not been well promoted. So if I, if I do my search, I find my firm, I've quickly done a couple things. The nonprofit has helped me identify if my gift can be doubled or tripled. They've given me how-to instructions. And in many cases, they've given me the matching gift form needed to get my gift match. And that's one of HEP's claims to fame is uh, providing digital copies of those matching gift forms where heretofore donors had to call HR. Well, good luck getting through to HR if I work for a subsidiary. It's Friday night. I made my donation. Am I going to take the time on Monday to get my uh, form? Yeah, it's it makes too much work out of it. And so is that, is that why a lot of charities have – it traditionally in the past maybe shied away from really getting actively involved in what you're doing now is so streamlining the process that, that it really should be one of those core programs that charities are putting together now? Absolutely. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that. And then beyond just having a link up on your website and your volunteer pages, you know, there are a lot of really, uh, I call them top-shelf strategies. Uh, number one, what's in my database now? You know, I might have 10, 15,000 donors. Ted, by the way, everything I'm talking about, it doesn't matter if you've got a database of 1,000 or uh, 20 million. You know, we work with everybody in between. Is, is 1,000 sort of the minimum? I, I mean, I, again, we're, you know, this show, you know, covers the, the gamut of, of charity sizes. Uh, we do have a lot of charities that are small, and we always want to make sure that we're providing strategies for them and large ones as well. Is there sort of a minimum where the database and the fees associated starts making sense? Um, I would say you want to have somewhere around a thousand names in your database. So that's okay. not a lot. That, that, that covers a large swath of, in fact, probably the vast majority of nonprofits out there. But we have, you know, PS 71 schools in Brooklyn, New York as clients, Ted. So it, it, it's all, uh, you know, it, it's all relative. Now, say I had I have a thousand, ten thousand. Um, can I go to your firm and, and ask you to scan those uh, uh, those names and, and give me a sense of if I'm hitting that one to ten, or is that really difficult to do because oftentimes uh, donor files don't have employer information? Well, that's where <clears throat> excuse me, that's where it gets interesting. Uh, most nonprofits historically just don't have a lot of employer information. So, about two years ago. We developed a, a, a proprietary product called Employer Find, and it does what the name implies. It, it appends in mass employer data, job titles, business addresses to your donor lists. So think about that for a second. You know, beyond matching gifts, you, uh, you, you can look at planned giving opportunities, matching gift opportunities. But let's let's stay here just with matching gifts. You know, now I've got a database. You know, let's let's take the 10,000 donors on my database. I screen them through Employer Find, and HEPA appends 2,500 employer names. Well, now what we'll do is we'll mine that data. We call it micro mining, and we'll flag who's match eligible. So, out of those 2,500 names, HEP's going to find 10%. That's 250 donors who are now eligible. So, in that even in that okay, scenario, and you and that again, it's a proprietary database. So. Uh, where does that come from? You, you, you use national databases where people have reported, you know, I wrote, you know, I got this position or a press release is put out. All that comes into your database. And now when I come with, with my donor files, you can say, well, we know where a lot of the, the top donors work. And so if we match them up on your file, now you've got information you didn't have before. That, that's exactly right. And as far as the data, yeah, it's all public domain data. Uh, what we've done Ted is we've compiled over 100 sources. So you can imagine the task, you know, the work hours involved in that. Uh, and beyond that, we use technology to harvest as well. And uh, so we've built a really good product our first 
time out. Uh, it's getting better and better, though. I hope to get to the point where, uh, you know, we're at a 50%, 55% employer append rate, and that'll just... Uh, well, sure. I, of course you want it to get better, but, but what, what you've done already is you've taken what what used to be, and, and I remember, you know, again, years ago when we were working together, what used to be a good idea but a fairly passive pro- process and, and very labor-intensive if you really wanted to work it, to now utilizing technology, utilizing the databases, as you said, over 100 databases, to actually now create a strategy that allows a development officer to actually develop this as a program as opposed to just sort of a passive, maybe we'll be lucky enough to get somebody who's with the right employer to ask the right questions, to get the right form at the right time, and then we'll get that matching gift. Now it's becoming much more of a strategy. Ted, absolutely. You're, you're now being, uh, you're initiating uh, your, your data. You're improving the quality of your data. You're actually taking control of it, creating a strategy, uh, so that uh, your donor engagement is just enhanced. Well, because where, where that can also dovetail in, and, and you and I both know that, you know, one of the, the, the hidden secrets and, and benefits of having a well-oiled matching gift program is actually being able to make the case for grant support uh, to uh, corporate foundations and, and, and corporations based on the number of employees that uh, work at that corporation that support your charity. And by never having that information and never working your, your database, you completely miss that strategy that a lot of organizations could benefit from. You, you would have ne- never known. And if, and if you don't have employer data beyond that, uh, you know, your donors are essentially anonymous. You know, if you don't know where somebody works or their job title, you really don't know that much about them. And uh, so this right. is, it, it is, it is uh, not overstated when I say it's groundbreaking. Yeah. Well, it really is. So let, let's let's again for for our listeners here. Let, let's again think through um, this strategy. So really, the the first step uh, it would it would seem to me uh, would be to get your your database analyzed for uh, employer match because that then allows you to be more proactive. In addition to, I guess, simultaneously putting the link on your website so that your donors could start self-identifying themselves. Absolutely. Yeah, you, the, the two Is that sort of strategy in. one, strategy two, and then you can actually start thinking about campaigning? Uh, absolutely. We have the data. Now what do we do? What's, what's most effective? Do we want to email them? And by the way, Ted, when we, when we flag an employer's match eligible for uh, a nonprofit, um, we're not just telling you they're match eligible. We're giving you all the relevant matching policy information, like the minimum gift, the maximum gift, the email at the company if you have a question, um, the matching gift form. So with that matching gift form, yeah, there's a lot I can do with that. I can push that in an email to my donor um, prior to the solicitation, during the solicitation, as a post-solicitation acknowledgement. Um, all of a sudden, you know, you're getting really creative with the ability to just educate your donors and kind of own the match, if you will. Now, again, we're we're broadcast across the uh, the internet, and so we do have a lot of listeners uh, around the world. Is your program primarily U.S. based, uh, or uh, can others around the world access matching gifts uh, programs through you? Uh, if we have nonprofits in Canada, many um, a lot of DOTEs in, in Canada, Ted. We also have uh, schools throughout Europe uh, that have a presence, like, for example, the American College, I think, in uh, Switzerland, right on the Italian border. Beautiful area, by the way. Uh, uh, and a number of uh, um, AU Cairo, AU Beirut. Um, we are – it's a really good question. We're, we're looking at Europe first, uh, Australia and Asia second, and compiling a matching gift database. It's to a lesser extent but it's still, in our opinion, uh, worthwhile, uh, even if the percentages are lower in terms of numbers of people who match, uh, because it's free money. 
Right. It, it, it really is. Now, we've got an interesting question that, that just came in, uh, Steve, uh, from John in Dallas. Um, and, and I guess you know, I, I would have to agree with him. He said that uh, it's his opinion or, or his view, I guess, that uh, uh, these matching gift programs uh, have been going away. The, the companies have been cutting them. And he's, he's, he's wondering, have any companies been adding or is, it, is, is the list just getting smaller? Well, you know, when the economy, we, we really started to notice in our business uh, summer of 2008, you know, the economy, economy really, really tightening. Uh, and, and what we had at that point was somewhere in the vicinity of just under 15,000 corporations and subsidiaries matching gifts. And that's not counting Canada as well, because um, that would have been a little higher. Um, and then, then what you had, and, and, and John's correct, at, at that point in time, we were starting to see things recede. Subsequently, however, uh, you had the Haiti disaster and, and many other uh, uh, disasters throughout the world, and you saw a lot of companies step up and, have, and, and, and begin to, to put match programs together, if nothing else, just for that disaster. And so what happened, uh, many of them ended up keeping them. And, and the truth of the matter is we've grown our database by about 1,600, almost 2,000 companies over the last couple of years. So we're, we're kissing 20,000 right now. Wow, 20,000 companies. Now, what kind of charities uh, make a really good uh, candidate for this kind of strategy? Is it across the board? Is it, is it every charity uh, qualifies? Or are there some folks who, who really this strategy would not work it, for? It, it, it varies. Uh, you can break it down. We have it broken down in about 20 categories, but you know, social services are a good one. Uh, charitable organizations, uh, you know, um, like Habitat for Humanity, for example, uh, healthcare, hospices, uh, um, museums, uh, you know, you name it. Uh, anything cultural, environmental, many of the companies will match. Uh, to, just to give you a statistic, you know, most of the corporations will match higher ed. You start breaking it down from there, you get to about eight out of ten companies will match, you know, the charitable space. Um, but most of the ones I mentioned are pretty high on that list. When, uh, when we come back from uh, a small break here, Steve, I'm going to ask you uh, to give us uh, both an example of an, uh, some details of how Purdue has used uh, this service to dramatically increase their fundraising, but also small organizations like a small PBS station. Uh, so when we come back uh, from uh, a little bit of a break here, I'm hoping that you can share those uh, with us. Uh, we are here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, you can call in and ask a question of Steve Hafner at 347-324-3080. We're over in the chat room. You can ask questions there or email us at tedhart at tedhart.com. Now, we've got a little bit of a, a little station break here, if you will. Uh, many of you will remember uh, that I was up in Toronto at the AFP Toronto Congress. Uh, when I was up there, I was uh, hosted uh, by the fine folks, uh, Stephen Thomas and Associates, and they uh, uh, work with us to put on the really terrific Digital Leap Conference each year. Uh, and uh, this little uh, clip here will give you uh, some insight drawing from the session that I did in Toronto and looking forward to uh, Digital Leap 2011. Hi, I'm Kristen, and I'm here with Ted Hart, who just did a session on social networking and online fundraising. It was a really great session. For those who couldn't be there, can you give us the top highlights of what went on? Well, it was a two-hour session, so it's a little hard to do that quickly, but I think the most important thing for people to take away is my prediction that within four years' time, every charity will need a solid social networking strategy and that they should do that by year by year over the next four years, building the asset that they need to be able to have the social capital that they'll be able to use in four years' time. Okay, great. And there was a number of really great tips in that session, but if you had one that you could give to people, what would that be? Well, I think get active on social media now, but don't overplay it. Mm -hmm. uh, it really is the interaction of online and offline that really is the key to success. Uh, and I shared in my session the Aunt Mabel effect, which uh, people have to come to uh, my session maybe at Digital Leap on uh, April 12th uh, here in Toronto. You can come and uh, listen and learn all about the Aunt Mabel effect. Great. Thank you very much. And we are back here on the Nonprofit Coach. So you just heard the uh, Digital Leap 2011 up in Toronto will take place 
on April 12th. You can find that information in the radio links at tedhartradio.com or go directly to digitalleap.org. Now, Steve, coming out of that uh, that break, it, it makes me wonder, um, because as, as you heard in, in that, and, and one of the things I've been sharing uh, in my lectures recently is, is my prediction of the importance uh, of, the, of building these assets of utilizing social media, that we do have time, but we can't delay because it does take time to build those assets. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, in this interconnected world, uh, if there's a social media opportunity here uh, for charities to get employees, to encourage employees through social networking to not forget, hey, our employer does match, and if you give, it's going to double or, or, as you said, triple uh, in some cases you're giving. Is that, that part of the, the strategy? Is that coming? Where, where does that fit within uh, what your folks are working on right now? Yeah, I, I think that's a definite uh, – it, it's coming, and I think it's a great opportunity. Um, you know, there, 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 there are now services in the space that you can go out and actually uh, look at uh, the influence people have on the Internet, in other words, kind of their digital imprint, and I could see potentially products coming down the road where, you know, you could look at that and look at spheres of influence, Ted, uh, to promote matching gifts. Yeah, I, I, I certainly think that would be the case because uh, particularly, you know, as you see all over the Internet today, and, and uh, we just had the recent uh, launch of Jumo.com, uh, uh, which we spoke about on the show last week, uh, that's fully integrated uh, into, uh, uh, into Facebook. Um, and as we see those sorts of networks come together, uh, if they take off, which, of course, you know, it's still waiting to see if uh, all of those uh, those things do uh, do take off. The more that people post their philanthropic accomplishments, uh, the more likely it seems to me that they would also be proud of the fact that they got their employer to pitch in uh, the same amount towards charities that they care about. Yeah, absolutely. And I spoke earlier about the match badge, and that that literally is just a it's a uh, a nonprofit branded graphic, if you will, um, just a mini banner, Ted, that embeds the match search box. So it might say. Uh, ACS for American Cancer Society uh, times two or match my gift or whatever you want to call it but it's something that you can put up on your volunteer page but wouldn't it be great if you could also post it throughout social media you know it's kind of a proud I'm a proud donor of, of, of this organization and I want to help you see if your gift can be matched as well people could yeah. share them. yeah I, I definitely agree with you I think that uh, that, that does uh, provide just another layer but but as as uh, listeners of this show know, I'm always a, a big proponent of getting the basics down right first before yep. we jump into that shiny new nickel of uh, that uh, is social media right now. And the and the basics are still to understand and to work your own database, to put together strategies on your own website. So those are those are the basics. So as I promised uh, before the break, I wanted to come back and ask you specifically to share with us some of the steps that were taken by Purdue and what that's done for, uh, for that organization. Well, Purdue, Purdue uh, has been a client of ours since the mid-'90s, and they have a particular development software that has an interface, and that's something we haven't gone into. We have you know, partnerships with about 30 software vendors out there that allow you to integrate our data into their offline uh, development software or their online giving page. And with Purdue... What we've done, since we've done this many times, we've screened their organizational data, not to get too technical, but we screen the org data and we can instantly flag whatever's on their system uh, that's match eligible, give it back to them in a ready upload format so they can, they can upload that data into their, we'll call it the matching policy window, uh, things like the minimum gift, the maximum gift, the gift ratio. So then they can internally begin to start tracking these folks. So that, that was step one. Uh, beyond that, they were able to flag donors, lapsed donors, and non-donors who were match eligible. So what they did with that data, uh, they then targeted uh, the, the folks at, at the point of solicitation. So with their phone-a-thon, uh, they have our data integrated. And again, that's another software integration where, you know, before I pick up the call, I can uh, tell the donor, our records indicate you work for ExxonMobil and your gift will be matched one-to-one, two-to-one, whatever. Uh, I'm much more likely to get that gift matched. So that's just a simple strategy. In addition, 
it, well, doesn't it change the dialogue now? I mean, it doesn't it, uh, you know change the the uh, the likelihood of uh, getting larger gifts from someone when you're able to help them leverage their own opportunities? It it does it does. And if if you've ever been to uh, a Lehigh, uh, you know Princeton, uh, you name it, uh, a, a school where you've got a donor percentage well north of forty percent. You know what the VP wants to see, Ted? He wants to see the yeah. needle moving forward. He wants to see new donor acquisition. What a great way, if I can identify 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 non-donors in my database, who I can now say, Ted, if you just give that first-time pledge to the Lehigh Fund of $50, it's going to be matched two to one. Make them aware of what that missed opportunity is going to mean to Lehigh or your organization. That's huge. It, it is it is huge. Now, where where does this normally make the first big impact for a charitable organization? Is it at the lower end of giving, or is this uh, really a major gift strategy? It's both. It, it, it's both. It, it starts uh, at the lower end. You know, you're looking at your annual fund type givers. So that's the vast majority of your givers, right? I mean, that's going to be your largest pool are people giving gifts under, let's just say, $10,000. And, and granted, a lot of the folks we're speaking to today, $10,000 is a major gift. Um, yeah, but you look at a Purdue, that's what we call leadership annual giving type gift. But I do, Ted, if I can, I'd like to just touch on the major gift aspect because what a phenomenal opportunity. Major gifts, just like we were talking earlier, you know, 10 years ago, even today, matching gifts have been an afterthought, but, but especially at the major gift level. They're so happy to have that gift in that, that nobody even thinks that, you know, let's just say a $100,000 pledge could potentially be matched. Well, many, many companies will match 10000 25000 50K, 100K, you name it. There's some that will match up to 250K. Uh, what if I could now arm that development officer before he or she goes out and meets with a six-digit or seven-digit prospect, and, and we could now give them a tool to mine, and find out if that donor is match eligible. Uh, that would allow them to get that gift double, potentially, or a portion thereof. And, and what we've released, uh, just briefly, is a product called Match My Gift. It is the first uh, smartphone-ready matching gift app in the space, trademarked by HEP. We're really, really excited about it. We just announced it last week. Um, we have five major institutions that have already signed up for it. And, Ted, if I have anything to say about it, uh, I, I expect we'll have thousands by this time next year. And my goal is to have that app not just for major gift officers, but anybody who's a volunteer, deans at schools, volunteers at nonprofits, for example. Uh, what if uh, an organization, let's say World Vision, uh, you know, they have all those volunteers out there, Habitat for Humanity. Wouldn't you want those folks who have their own personal giving page who are raising money for you have that little app so they can check out if, you know, <clears throat> Aunt Marie is match eligible or my friend down the block who just gave a $100 pledge for my walk. You know, now all of a sudden you're talking again. I'd love to use the term point of solicitation. You've heard it over and over. Now you're talking about getting grassroots level, having literally putting the power of matching gifts on your smartphone. So this is where you're having a conversation with someone, you're talking about your favorite charity, and it sounds like they're interested, and immediately you, right on your, your smartphone, have the ability to share more information about, wow, you know, did you know your employer uh, matches? So rather than sort of in the abstract, they themselves can be more specific. That's exactly right. And then while I'm meeting with the person, I can email them the form right from my phone, so they've got it on their phone or they've got it on their inbox. That's, 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 a, that's a terrific uh, opportunity uh, for folks. Now, point, paint for us you know, with this add-on and other things, what's sort of the average budget that an organization should be looking at uh, and what are the variables? Is it based on number of files, number of hits, number? where are the variables for, for cost? You know, everything we do is essentially a subscription. But if you're, if you're talking about a small organization, you know, smaller nonprofit, let's break it down into three categories, small, medium, and large. So let's take a small organization. To do some of what we've talked about in, in, a, in a robust way, including, including doing the employer find and, and identifying employer names, 
say, you, you need a budget of about two grand. That'll buy you a lot. You know, you start getting a little, okay. little, little higher. And how many, how many records does that cover me for? If, if so, I've got two thousand in, in, in my budget. What am I going to get for that? And where, where, where do I stop? Where do All I right. have to go further now? All right, so that'll get you up to ten thousand searches with employer fine. So that's going to be that's going to run about a thousand dollars or ten cents a search. So that gives you okay. another thousand to to use. Now, can I search year-round, or do I search one time, or how does that work? Yeah, you, we're, we're doing it one time. We're now at a point where we're, we're in our renewal stage, so what we're doing is we're working out year two, year three type renewals. In fact, we're selling three-year licenses to this. Um, and so in year two, what you do is you'd screen everybody. In fact, you, you, we just rescreen your whole database just to see if any existing things have changed. But certainly we want to look at the folks who we didn't find in the first pass, we want to look at those folks again because our data is changing daily. You can imagine with 100 plus sources. Um, so right now, it's basically a, a once every year type of deal. But I, Ted, I know you know where I'm going with this. Um, what what we're looking to do is basically hold the data in queue and have a uh, daily screening uh, so that we're constantly looking for new employer names. We have that technology with our Wealth Tracker product which is a, a high-end uh, uh, web crawling tool that identifies major gift prospects and tracks activity. But the same technology, we call it RM365 or Rapid Match 365. Think about it for a second. We, we screen your data through employer, find 10,000 records for 1,000 bucks. We find 2,500 names of employers, give you all that great data back, let you put a strategy together, help you put a strategy together. That leaves 7,500 records that are untouched. Well, what do we do with that? What if we could every single day scour all the sources, public sources available to look for fresh employer data? Now you've got a, a, a literally a daily or weekly email drip of new employer names coming into you as they're updated by us. Yeah, and that, that, that potentially really just dramatically changes uh, the, the scope of, of uh, charity's ability to use this kind of data. What, what if I don't have that kind of money? Do I start with, is it, is there a lower cost to start with having the, the link on my website, or, or is it really, you know, you got to have that $2,000 budget um, to really be able to make use of these tools? No, there's a, we, we have low cost. I mean, you can get involved in this for $450. You can get a what's called a semi-custom link. A custom link for, for a small nonprofit, we will license it to you for $500 a year. And what that does is two things primarily. It's going to allow you to put the matching gift uh, search box up on your website so your donors and friends can have access to it. So when they're giving a gift, uh, they're getting engaged for matching gifts. In addition, your staff can use it. Um, and, and so that's also a good tool. And, and I've got a great example you brought up before the break, uh, the station, the PBS station in Upper Michigan. I got an unsolicited email two weeks ago from a, a really nice uh, development officer there and she goes, Steve, we just got your invoice for renewal. And they're on the very low end. They're, they're spending low end, meaning they're spending $500 a year with us, Ted. Uh, they got a call, and they were at that base package where they're using the e-match for their donors. They were also using the e-match internally for their staff. They got a call from a donor who said, I want to check. I just, I just made a $10,000 pledge. I'd like you to check to see if my employer matches. They quickly looked it up. In fact, he did match. They emailed him the form. He got it. He got it matched, sent an email back to him saying, thanks so much for that service. She sent me an email, couldn't believe it, said, needless to say, we're going to be renewing. So it was a 10K gift for, you know, $500. And that's just one gift, but, uh, you know. Yeah, and, that, and, that, and that's, just, that's just one uh, one example. Now, how often does all of this uh, this change? I mean, it seems to me that, uh, as, as you said, there's what, over 6,000 employers that right now in the United States alone uh, will match gifts. Yeah, it's actually uh, in the U.S. It's 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 kissing seventeen thousand. You throw in Canada, you've, you've oh, 17, got about seventeen thousand. Okay, yeah, so you, you even higher close, than that. Yeah, you're getting close to to twenty thousand. Um, it's daily. You know, you can imagine a database that size. We we have a number of tools in place to to track it. Um, but you're looking on average, we make about thirty to forty changes a day. And if you got our data Three online, or 40 changes a day. So the average development office, you know, if they're going to engage in this process, what, what, what do you find for your average customer 
uh, is the the match dollars that they actually receive. I mean, you know, we look at American Cancer Society, and that you know that that's just a huge program. They've got lots and lots of staff. Right. Uh, but for the average organization, what can they expect to actually bring in from match dollars? Do you think? Well, what they what they want to look at, I call it the ten percent rule. Roughly ten percent of your money coming in through gifts, through individual gifts, uh, could be matched. That's the number. So if I'm bringing in a hundred k annually, my goal is pretty modest, but it's but it's ten thousand dollars. If I'm bringing in two point three million, it's two hundred thirty k. And it can be higher than that, but but that's the kind of the rule of thumb. And the first thing, we and this do, is the sort of thing as we were talking about on on page one with uh, with the announcement of uh, the 2011 email marketing survey. Um, this is the sort of thing that also builds over time, right? We build this asset, we build the expectation, we build the relationships, and over time, you raise more money. The, it, while while it seems that you can dramatically um, uh, alter uh, your utilization of the matching gift program, you know, in a first year. My guess is that the payoff on something like this is, is actually more of a three- to four-year window. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. And, and the more you educate, uh, the more you're going to get people excited about matching gifts and, and, and people taking advantage of the opportunity. Um, our business development director did a, did a, a short analysis where we were looking at like a five-year return on somebody who, who uh, gives a gift and gets it matched. And for, you know, a larger nonprofit that can end up being, you know, a million dollars over, uh, you know, five years. Um, I don't have the exact numbers and what the metrics were, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it, 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 you're not going to see, you know, uh, 100% growth right away, but you will see growth, and over time, you know, you'll start to see the uh, retention rate on those donors be higher than just your regular, you know, non-match eligible donors. This strategy has changed so much over the last few years and has become actually a development process now as opposed to just sort of filing some forms and, and hopefully you've got some time. It, it, it almost seems like for a lot of development offices that, that haven't started to really integrate this into uh, their core program and starting to look at it for their, their web design, it, it almost seems like they better hope that their bosses don't find out about this. Uh, because leaving this kind of money on the table really uh, would not look good for a lot of development officers. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, it, that's a that's a uh, interesting comment because, you know, there's always a lot of turnover in the development space, right? You know, it, it's something like development officers, and uh, it's something like 22 23% annually, which is pretty high. You know, and, I, and, and, and it's really funny because I'll, I'll have worked with someone uh, at a particular nonprofit or a particular institution, and two years down the road, they'll call me and say, "Hey, Steve, we don't have your data. What's going on?" And, and they'll say, "We want the webinar. We want a conference call right now. I want my advancement services person in here. I want my annual giving person." And I just get a kick out of it because, you know, uh, you know, if you take care of somebody, you, know, you deliver good data, you deliver a solution. Uh, you know what? They're always going to come back to you, and uh, you're absolutely right. It's a best practices. Well, Steve, I can't thank you uh, uh, enough for the opportunity to have you on the show here. Uh, this kind of strategy really is uh, a core strategy that all development officers really need to grow to understand. Uh, I think, unfortunately, for a lot of uh, charitable organizations, it's, it's been seen as secondary or, or ancillary and not something that uh, for a lot of offices you even hear a lot of discussion about. I, you know, it, it's always interesting to me with uh, programs like this. I mean, you don't go to the average fundraising conference uh, and, uh, and hear them talking about a matching gift strategy, uh, whereas for the average charity, if you talk about how to increase your fundraising by 10% in the next year, uh, they, you'd fill the room. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yeah. So, uh, well done. I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I look forward to uh, having you on again and talking to you about this uh, this kind of strategy. Uh, you folks are doing a great job over there uh, at HEP Development. Uh, I'm going to give you uh, just a, about a minute here just to wrap up any final thoughts uh, that you have for our audience, and then uh, we've got to race over to page three. Hey, Ted, thanks for having me on, and, it, and it's great to see your success as well. Uh, you know, HEP really is, we're an innovator. You know, we're, we're a boutique shop that really helps the nonprofit space uh, improve donor engagement by improving the quality of their data, and that involves prospect research, 
matching gifts, data mining, you know, phone, email, address updates, employer updates, you name it. Um, and uh, you can reach us at hepdata.com. Feel free to email us. Uh, you, I know this uh, webcast is going to be rebroadcast. On, you can find it on TED's archive. Uh, so it's been my pleasure to be with everyone today. Thank you. Great, great, Steve. Thanks for uh, for joining us here. Okay, uh, page three, just wrapping up here. What comes next? We will be here next week, Tuesday, uh, with Case Sprinkle Grace in the first edition of the AF Wiley. Uh, radio show. There will be no show on December 28th. Mark your calendar. There will be no show on January 4th. Nonprofit Coach will be taking a couple of weeks off for the year and holidays, but we will be coming back in January on January 11th with a big show, and then we've got Jim Greenfield as on the AFP Wiley radio show on January 18th. Everybody have a great week, and we'll be right back here next I'm a nonprofit coach. Take care. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.